welcome into another podcast episode for Codings Pro Magazine. I'm Stephanie Chizik and I'm Editor-in-Chief of Codings Pro. Today we have with us Sarah Copsey, Project Manager, Prevention and Research Unit at the European Agency for Safety and Health at Work. EU OSHA's mission is to develop, gather, and provide reliable and relevant information, analysis, and tools to advance knowledge, raise awareness, and exchange occupational safety and health information and good practice, which will serve the needs of those involved in OSH. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So why don't we start by giving the listeners a bit of your background? Well, um, by academic training. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm an ergonomist and a psychologist. And then following that, I worked for 10 years as the head of health and safety for the largest public sector trade union in the, in the UK. And in fact, during that time, I was on a short while the advisory, the tripartite advisory committee for the, the National Advisory Committee for the UK construction sector. And then I moved to working in the European Agency for Safety and Health at Work. While I've been there, I've, I've worked on a variety of different types of projects, um, from the cleaning sector to the um, transport sector. And more recently, I was involved in a, a major project um, for the European Parliament on health and safety and the aging workforce. And right now, I'm working on a, a major activity and campaign on the prevention of musculoskeletal diseases in the workplace. Oh, wow. Uh, so it sounds like you have a great background to fit with your current role. And also, that kind of leads into my next question, which is, you know, what are the challenges going on right now in the construction industry? And I think you just touched on a few of those. And obviously, we've got COVID-19 affecting everything as well. So could you just touch on maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, what the workforce challenges are right now, how that's affecting the construction industry? Well, in, in general, the, the workforce um, challenges are the same as they've always been, which is, um, how to effectively um, control um, health and safety risks mm. and re reduce um, worker exposure to to hazards and to keep the, the workforce um, safe and healthy. In the particular situation, oh, we've got two issues. In the particular situ situation of the aging workforce, we know that well, it's estimated that between 2016 and 2060, the working population in the European Union would decline by over 10%. And with the reduced birth rate in the, the developed countries, there are going to be far fewer younger workers. So that means that all industries, including the construction industries, need to find ways, effective ways, to keep their older, skilled and experienced workers in good shape and to support them to be able to work longer. Um, now, you've mentioned COVID. Um, in, well, COVID is having a huge effect on, on all sectors, all types of jobs and our whole, whole lives, of course. 
with regard to older older workers, you've got um, some older workers that are going. Well, we know older people are more vulnerable to to COVID, mm -hmm. so it's a, a, a really important issue to find ways to to make sure that they they are safe, um, that they can socially distance, and that they can follow all the all the safety rules. And in a sector, this is in general, but for this, this group in particular, in, in um, the construction sector, there are issues about being able to get access to um, hand washing facilities. How do you socially distance in changing areas or, or eating facilities? Mm. Um, how do you ensure that um, masks don't become damaged while people are working and therefore ineffective? And then the specific issues like um, traveling with workers in, in minibuses to, to sites and that sort of thing, and how do you maintain social distancing there? In some regards, if, if the part of the construction sector where you're working outdoors, it may be less of a problem than working indoors. But nevertheless, there, there are still challenges in working alongside other, other people. I didn't even think about are, the, I, the traveling to and from work. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's yeah, no, it's it, yeah, and in, especially places like the the um, construction sector. If you're getting gangs or teams together and you need to transport them in minibuses, um, if you've if you've got people who are kind of working away workers, so they're um, sleeping in a hostel or something like that. Again. Um, there are real issues there about um, how do you segregate people? What happens if someone goes down mm -hmm. with with COVID and, and that sort of thing? Um, can you keep shifts of workers working together so you're not mixing people so much? And yeah, a, a whole a whole range of um, issues. Um, yeah. And then of course it affects some more general things for health and safety training. When you you know um, you want to limit how many people are getting together. How does it work for having um, toolbox talks on, on site and that sort of thing where you want to get a group of people together? Mm -hmm. on, the, on the admin side, um, a lot of us are now all te teleworking, of course, and that brings some opportunities because for some businesses, they're seeing for the first time that you know teleworking is a possibility. It can work in, in, in practice. Um, and teleworking, for example, often helps people who've developed a chronic condition to be able to manage their problem and, and continue working. Hmm. If, if the ergonomic conditions um, at home are not great, or if people find themselves working longer hours and not taking breaks to get up and move, move around, this then becomes an issue, and that can be a particular issue for for older workers. And also, we have a general concern, I think, that um, all the attention on COVID may be diverting attention away from the continued need to um, put effort into um, assessing and managing risks in the workplace as, as well. So that's a a general issue that you know can't take the eye off the eye off the ball of um, general health and safety pre prevention when just to deal with with the COVID 
issues. So that, yeah. That's a good it, point. It, when I think about, too, you know, the, the, the top, I want to say it's something like four or five, um, at least citations over here, or um, is it not citations? It's the top four or five um, risks, uh, I think it is, are pertaining around fall protection and, and dropped objects and those kinds of things. And that obviously is not getting uh, discussed right now because all, all eyes are on COVID. So it's a really good point that, that it's kind of detracting from the issues that are still there that people still need to be dealing with. Exactly, those issues aren't go, aren't going to go away, and they get you know if if you if um, if they get ignored, um, or programs or things that were going to be put in place to deal with them get postponed, that's only building up problems. Right. I do wonder to circle back to something you said about uh, you know the aging workforce. If some of these opportunities that we're seeing right now with COVID, like the people starting to do admin work, maybe from home, like you were saying, could that potentially off offer an opportunity for some of those those aging members of the workforce to continue working, uh, whereas they might not have been able to do that in the past? No, de de definitely. We see that um, where companies are accommodating um, older workers or particularly people who have developed some sort of chronic condition, um, teleworking, a, a component of teleworking um, is often really, really helpful to, to them. It can cut down on, if you've got a chronic condition, it can cut down on your need to com commute. It can make it easier for you to um, organize your work to get to medical appointments and and that sort of thing. And um, I know from my own experience, because I, I have a back problem, now I'm working at, from home, I'm actually feeling better because I can get up and move around when I want want to. And although I'm, I, and even, for example, if I don't need the screen on, if I don't need my video on when I'm having um, a work meeting, I can actually get up, get up and walk around and, mm -hmm. and move. So that kind of flexibility can be really helpful. Absolutely. To enable people to carry on working. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought, you know, I do the same thing, but I hadn't thought of it from a standpoint of how it could help with the with the construction industry as well. It's interesting. And the aging workforce. Any other possible solutions that you're seeing for some of those challenges out there? Any concrete examples that you'd want to give? In terms of the um, aging workforce, What's what's needed is um, well for, for, first and foremost um, what what's needed for the, the construction in, industry because there I mean uh, very a lot of the work related health problems you see in the construction industry of course develop over time so musculoskeletal disorders or hearing loss lung and respiratory problems from exposure to chemicals and and dusts or etc. To tackle those, you need good working conditions right from the, the first day of work, from the start of your working life, because, because they develop cumulatively um, due to repeated exposure to the hazards. So it's important to have good health and safety for all the, all the workforce from, from day, day one. Uh, it's no, no good waiting till someone's 55 and 
and worn out. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, for example, if you have younger workers doing all the heavy work, they're going to be worn out when they when they become older. So that that's the first thing we say. You you need to improve the health and safety. You need to manage um, health health and safety for all, all the workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, and indeed, if you if you take measures, steps to prevent risks and make work easier easier and improve the ergonomics of work for all your workers. That can um, make the difference between an older worker with with reduced work capacity being able to stay in work or leave the work. So that kind of preventive top-end approach is, is benefiting everybody. And then combined with that, you need an approach where um, for those individuals who need it to provide some specific support and adjust adjustments, of course, the safer and easier you're making work in the first place, the less need there is for specific support and adjustments for individuals further down the line. But it also it's important to not um, treat older workers as a blanket group because they're, in fact, as we get get older, we become more and more diverse. Hmm. And also, for example. A person of uh, 55 can be fitter and stronger than a person of 25. So it is important to avoid stereotypical thinking um, about um, what people can or cannot do or, or assume that all older workers are the same. Then as part of this approach, so we've got good health and safety, specific adjustments. Then the third thing is to ensure early intervention for any problems that arise. Um, for that, you need to create a good um, work environment where people, where workers feel able to either raise health and safety problems or talk about um, a specific health problem that is affecting their ability to work. Because we know the er earlier intervention is made, both in the workplace and um, for medical care, um, the more likely any intervention is to be effective, um, the less chronic a condition is going to be going to have become, and therefore the more effective um, the intervention is likely to be. So that's the next thing that's really important. And then to say, um, so I've been talking about lots of interventions, doing this, doing doing that in general, but um, very many problem, very many solutions are actually quite simple and, and cheap um, to implement. So that's also a very, needs to be borne in mind as, as well. So what I'm, I think I'm saying is being proactive on health and safety and then also proactive around older workers and not seeing, seeing everything as a problem, but um, looking at it as a, as a, looking for solutions in that, that kind of way. Yeah, I love that. I love that sort of positive spin on it. And it, I think it's a really kind of a good sort of um, to it harkens back to what you were saying about, you know, the, the change of the numbers of the workforce, you know, we can't afford to be losing people in the workforce. So we should be treating them like individuals and, and treating them in, in the way that the best way for for them. And I think that would also we've talked a lot about the aging workforce, but I would suspect that also includes all other, you know, kinds of people too. you know, 
Um, I think women is another area of, of the workforce that could certainly be um, expanded upon to help with, with the changes in, in decreasing numbers in, in construction workers. In fact, that's, that's, that's a, a very good point. And the whole general approach as well, of, of if, you try, if you think you're first to make work safer and healthier and physical work easier for the entire workforce, that may open up opportunities for women to enter construction jobs if, if you're making the work in generally easier for, for everybody. And although this example, this example of making work, e work e easier and the whole workforce. It doesn't, it doesn't come from the construction sector, but I think it's a really nice, nice example. It, it comes from a car, car factory, automobile manufacturer, and with their older workforce, they were having a lot of um, sickness absence, a lot of musculoskeletal problems, um, people going on early retirement. So um, they made they made changes to to the the plant and the production line. And one of the things they did is they flipped over the chassis of the body of, of, of the vehicle. So uh, the workers were no longer um, bending down underneath the vehicle to work. They were wor working upright over it mm. as though it's a workbench and so that sold that um, reduced musculoskeletal disorders and sickness absences but what they also found and what they hadn't expected was that suddenly they began to recruit more younger workers as well presumably word got round that this was no longer the back-breaking horrible back-breaking work that their fathers had been doing and uh, which they were avoiding at all costs, and were, were willing to um, work at, work in the in the factory again. So that was an unexpected um, consequence. But in in general, probably what I'm saying is, if you go beyond just the prevention, but think of um, in terms of diverse workforce, is to how can we make work in general more inclusive? How can we de design work to be more universal? So um, that you're so that you are expanding the pool of workers that you can employ as as the um, working age population is shrinking. So that that I mean that's really important for the future. I think. Yeah, and hopefully you know people can start maybe making some of those. To me, that doesn't sound like a huge change that the, the car factory made and look at the amazing benefit that came out of it. So hopefully people can start making some similar changes and have huge positive consequences. That would be great. There, there are actually um, very many uh, much smaller things that, that can be done to um, either enable somebody to carry on working or to um, make work easier for everybody so just simple ergonomic measures like providing a um, a trolley or power tools and then look can working hours be adjusted is there some opportunity for for some part-time working or or flex, 
flex, flexi hours, depending on the type of work, of course. And then uh, is there opportunity for, for um, task rotation as well? So not every one person is not, if the physical work is um, rotated with, with less physical work. Or in an individual case, is it possible for um, a, a particular task that that worker can no longer easily do um, be given to other workers? to carry out. So uh, those those are all really simple measures which don't necessarily have cost Im implications that even small workplaces um, can think of implementing. Mm -hmm. Maybe just a different, a bit of a different mindset is kind of what's needed to be the, to start the ball rolling. Yeah, I, I, I think so. So one of the one of the in health and safety in general one of the issues is often thought oh it's a cost it's a negative thing whereas um, we try to emphasize the, the business benefits of having a safe and healthy workforce in, in investing your in your workforce's health and well-being um, throughout their working lives and that has an um, an effect on sickness absence, on on productivity, reduced um, recruitment costs, and and also the the organisation, the company um, can benefit from having a, a better reputation as a good employer mm -hmm. as well. So there are um, many po positive things as uh, um, in addition to opening out um, your possible pool of workers that you can recruit at the same time. Yeah, I think those are some great tips, Sarah. Thank you. What what resources does uh, the EU OSHA have that we could share with our listeners? Right. Well, um, on in general, on our, our website, um, we have a, a lot of um, fact sheets on, on individual topics. Um, some years ago now, but we did run a campaign on the on the construction sector and we've also run a campaign on maintenance work as, as well. So we've got simple two-sided two fact sheets on health and safety issues relate, related to construction sector and maintenance. And um, those are translated into um, many of the um, European Union official languages. So that would include Spanish, for example, Spanish and, and, and Portuguese, for example. We also um, collect um, case studies. So for those two, two issues, uh, for the campaigns on construction and maintenance, we collected some case studies as part of a good practice award. For the aging workforce, We've also um, collected some some interesting case studies, um, in, including a very uh, one from a very small roofing company, and I, I think they only had something like 12, 12 employees where they'd they'd made made changes, hmm. thinking about the aging of their their workforce. To do yeah, they they were doing things like um, introducing some. Some aids to make lifting easier, um, 
etc. So some of the, even when the case studies are for large companies, we generally try and assess them to say, well, how could it be adapted for use for a smaller company as well? Mm -hmm. And um, now we're about to, we're starting our musculoskeletal disorder campaign, which will run for two years. So that's going to focus in general on, on prevention in, in general, that it's possible and what can be, be done. Um, and then a component of it's going to focus on working with chronic musculoskeletal disorders and to support that we've already published some case studies of um, what kind of accommodations were made to enable um, individuals in different workplaces to carry on on working. And another, another issue is looking at um, not Stat, prolonged standing work, prolonged sitting work, and how to get the, the workforce um, moving more, um, and including lots of um, tips for employers on, on what can be done to um, avoid static postures in general. Um, so that, that's just a few of the things. It's a, multi it's a multilingual web, website as as well, um, covering all the European Union languages. And as I say, many of the, the stuff aimed at workplaces, good practice information, is in various languages. That's amazing. What, could you just briefly give the website for our, the listeners in case they want to go check out all those great resources? So it's um, www.osha.osha dot europa e u r o p a dot e u but if you search in google for e u osha e u o s h a um, the website comes up immediately awesome thank you uh before i let you go i wanted to just briefly touch on you know we talked a lot about what's going on and currently what's you know been developing over the past few months, let alone past few years and, and over time. Is there anything that you can touch on as far as what the future might look like regarding these issues? I, well, in, in general, of course, work's not going to to look like um, what it did pre-COVID and um, probably health and safety in the way we, we carry through things and look at risks and, and assessment that's all going to be changed post COVID. I guess that, you know. Yeah, sorry. The, um, but in, in regarding the aging workforce, that's not a problem that's going, going away. Um, that's an issue that's, um, as far as we know, is, is on, on, on the increase. Um, but I think for the future, being positive again, what we know now, we know a lot more about. The, age, the aging workforce, um, how to address it, so to focus on making workplaces better and safer and healthy for everyone, focus on people's workability and not their incapacity. And that we need to keep in sight the, the really important need, the increasing importance of making work sustainable across the work life 
course. And we know, knowing that many problems can be simple and cost effective to solve as well. So if, if they're applied to the whole workforce, making it work easier for all, we're going to be able to, we're going to have a much better chance of keeping our older workers um, working longer and also healthy when they reach retirement and healthy in, into retirement, which is really important for individuals. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's a perfect place to stop. Uh, again, she's Sarah Copsey, Project Manager, Prevention and Research Unit at the European Agency for Safety and Health at Work. I'm Stephanie Chiswick, Editor-in-Chief of Codings Pro Magazine. Thanks again for listening in to a podcast episode for Codings Pro Magazine. I think Sarah shared a lot of great tips about the aging workforce and how we can make some small and larger changes in our businesses moving forward. So thanks again and happy coding.